So for those of you that are married, you know how honest feedback can be. Kenzie told me last week that I needed to slow down when I was reading. I was reading entirely too fast. She said, you already sound like you got rocks in your jaw. I can't understand you <laughs> about half the time. So I uh, apologize ahead of time. I guess I, I told her, I said, I just get excited about the point I'm trying to make. And, you know, I feel like I, you know, I'm not smart enough to hold a point very long. So I got to rush to get to the other side so I don't forget. And she said, well, you got to slow down. So I'm going to try to slow down a little bit. Because right. um, I do know that I do that, but I, I guess I just get a little excited about uh, the point or the discussion at hand. Um, I'll also say I have no idea what the follow-up will be. And it is not his fault that we are not in uh, unison if we are not. There's not much heads up given on what I was going to talk about today. Um, I do want us to look at Romans. And I uh, I know we've, uh, of course, we've begun a study of Romans. Uh, Evan taught Romans a year or two ago. Talked through the whole book, I believe. Didn't Maybe, okay, he's telling me we never finished. I don't know why I thought we did. I know you talked through First Corinthians and then we did Second Corinthians. I, I guess I had thought we'd gone all the way through Romans. Um, and I, I think I've said in here, you know, they say Galatians. I've heard said Galatians is Paul's master's uh, thesis on salvation, and Romans is, Romans is his PhD, you know, uh, dissertation on salvation. And so there is so much. Uh, in the book of Romans, and we talked last week, you know, I, I said, you know, you really, you can't, if you, when you're studying the book of Romans and Galatians as well, you know, you, you have to read it in big chunks to be able to, to at least in my opinion, um, have full appreciation for the point he's trying to make, you know, in chapter one or two or three, because there's so many things that he's tying, he's trying to tie a, a big thought together, all right. And so, I'm. Uh, I don't. I know it can be done better, but I'd like for us to try to. Uh, I guess my goal today is for us to think through Romans in a big picture, maybe, all right, and just kind of go through and, and talk about the points that he's trying to make. Uh, just again, big picture items. I said that I had gone through the book and. Uh, was trying to see because, of course, I noticed like probably most of y'all that man, there's a ton of questions. You know, he's teaching uh, and he's asking these questions. Some, uh, a lot, most of them are rhetorical, but he, it, that's kind of how he's teaching through the book. And I calculated 70 question marks, you know, through the book. Um, I don't know if I missed one. I had to count it a couple twice. I don't know. I was kind of surprised it was an exact number, but I counted 70 is what I number I came up with. Another thing you'll notice in the book is that faith is mentioned a lot. I counted, uh, went through, went to the uh, concordance, and I counted 39 times the word faith uh, is mentioned in the book. And so, you know, we were, we're already 
talking about it. Evan talked about it in chapter 1. We've talked about it in chapter 2. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about it in chapter 3. I mean, so it's a big theme through the book, this idea of faith, uh, and especially how it relates uh, to salvation. So, again, just uh, we're going to th- try to think about the book as a whole. And I think if we think about it uh, maybe as a whole or in these sections, we can kind of break it up in our own mind uh, and get those things. Maybe it will help us while we're studying through the book. So that, that's the goal uh, this morning. So let's start in chapter 1. Um, you know, at least in my mind, of course, a lot of this is just my mind and me trying to break down the book. So, you know, my opinion, my, my thinking or whatever will be, uh, you know, relatively prominent in the things that I, how I've broken it down, at least for myself. I view verses 1 through 17 as kind of his introduction. It's kind of, you know, his uh, beginning, uh, him introducing uh, himself, him introducing uh, what he's going to talk about. Uh, he certainly introduces this idea of faith. If you look in verse 5 of chapter 1, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Hold your hand there and go to chapter 16. Chapter 16, beginning in verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And so you see this idea, this concept of obedience to the faith at the beginning and at the end. You also see there in verses 16 and 17, for I'm not ashamed, back, back to chapter 1, excuse me, in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so, again, in my mind, he's introducing here uh, what he's first going to talk about uh, I would say all the way pretty much from, from there to chapter uh, 12. You know, uh, there's certainly some maybe some breaks in between those chapters. Uh, but in my mind, from chapter 1 and verse 18 all the way to the end of chapter 11, he's dealing with uh, matters of Jew-Gentile circumcision, uncircumcision, uh, salvation through Jesus. He talks about there in chapter uh, six, uh, and so um, you know, again, in my mind, there's the biggest chunk of the book is beginning here in chapter one, verse eighteen, ending chapter eleven, and in verse one. And the rest of chapter one, you know, we've talked about in here the past couple of weeks. He seems to be pointing out that the Gentiles are in sin. He's also pointed out, as Evan said this morning, you know, this idea of God's uh, God. Understanding God to some level being without excuse. So Romans 1 and verse 20, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Uh, And so he seems to establish uh, through the rest of chapter 1 that the Gentiles are guilty of sin. Chapter 2 and in verse 1, really the whole uh, chapter, he seems to be pointing out that the Jews are just as guilty 
as the Gentiles. They've sinned. There's no difference um, between uh, the Jew and Gentile in that way. Uh, and then chapter 3, Matt began that this morning. You know, Looking back, he asked this question, what advantage then has the Jew or what is the profit of, of circumcision? Um, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. So he's making the point there, you know, circumcision, you know, your circumcision can become uncircumcision and the Gentiles' uncircumcision can become circumcision. So he's driving that point home that God's going to judge us the same. Uh, there's no partiality with him. You're just as guilty as them, the Gentiles, because you have sinned just like they have. Um, then you get to <clears throat> chapter 3. Uh, really, the bulk of that chapter, if you looked at verse 12, uh, really, really, let's begin in verse 9. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, coming back to this idea that we're all guilty, uh, Jew and Gentile, all have sinned. Um, and so, you know, uh, the end of chapter 3, beginning in verse 27, uh, in my mind there's another break here. You know, you, you begin uh, this discussion of faith right here. Uh, he, he, he brings Abraham into the picture in chapter 4. But chapter 3, verse 27 through chapter 5 and in verse 5, in my mind, is another chunk. You know, there's another, uh, he's dealing with this idea of justification by faith and not by works of the law. And, of course, by works of the law, he's dealing, he's saying the old law. Um, before we go any further, I want to point out chapter 3 and in verse 8. And why not say, let us do evil that good may come? as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. Um, this idea of let us do good, do evil, that good may come, in my, to me is similar to chapter 6 and in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? All right. Certainly not. Or some versions of New, or King James will say, God forbid. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? You know, and so this idea of doing evil that good may come uh, was something that he he battled, or that he was trying to at least set straight to some some degree. Okay, let's um, turn our minds back to uh, chapter three, verse twenty-seven through five. Five. Uh, he's telling us that salvation is by faith, uh, not were you born a Jew or Gentile. Uh, chapter three and in verse twenty-eight. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Verse 30, since there is one God who would justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. And of course, you know, you think about how that ties back to our discussions in chapter 2. Then he brings in Abraham. Uh, look at chapter 4 and in verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uh, uncircumcised. Verse 13, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, 
but through the righteousness of faith. And we talked about, um, you know, if you look there in verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. And, of course, you think back to our discussions in Galatians that we had, there's this idea of, uh, of these uh, promises uh, or, or, or salvation coming through promise and not through the law. All right? And so, again, chapter 4, dealing with this idea of faith. Chapter 5 and in verse 6, Chapter 5 and in verse 6, um, <clears throat> through really the end of, of chapter 5, uh, he, he seems to begin this discussion of Christ being the answer uh, for salvation. You look at 5 and in verse 9, much more than having now been justified by His blood, Jesus' blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And if you look at 18 and 19, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Whereas by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. All right, and so again, he's dealing with um, uh, righteousness or salvation, um, you know, justification, coming through Jesus and His blood and Him coming and dying. You know, He talks there in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 6, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, and then, you know, He goes on to say that we're justified by His blood. We're reconciled to God through the death of His Son. And He has this discussion about uh, death coming through Adam, uh, life coming through Christ. And then he, he asks this question, chapter 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. That shall be who died to sin, live any longer in it. Uh, so, yes, salvation comes through Him, uh, through Jesus. Uh, we're sanctified by Him, but we can't keep on sinning. We have to put away sin, is what He says there in verse 4 through 6. Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in likeness of His death, certainly we shall also... Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we uh, should no longer be slaves of sin. And then, he get, then he has this discussion uh, at, the, toward, at the end of the chapter 6 that we choose. You know, we make this decision uh, who we're going to follow. Verse 17, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. All right, and so you have, uh, he's telling them, you know, you're going you're gonna to serve one or the other, and you choose, you make the decision. Are you going to be a slave um, of sin? Verse 17, are you going to be a slave of righteousness? Chapter 7 and verse 1 uh, through 8, through chapter 8, and in verse 39, he deals a lot with the blessings of being in Christ. All right, and so uh, there's certainly a lot in chapter seven and eight, uh, and a lot to talk about. Uh, but ultimately, I think his point is pointing to the blessings of Jesus. Chapter seven and verse five: From when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by. 
so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And so he begins this discussion of, uh, you know, uh, the being under Jesus, being under the Spirit is better than being under the law, the blessings that come through him. Chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And so this discussion of uh, the Holy Spirit being given to the believer, you know, this, these blessings that we have through Him. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Same chapter, chapter 8, verse 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him, through Jesus who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing should be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he kind of switches gears. Uh, chapter 9, verse 1, I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. And so again, in my mind, in chapter 9, verse 1 through 11, and in verse 36, there's just the theme of Israel rejecting God even though God chose them. Uh, he talks about their privilege uh, and being chosen by Him uh, in this section. Um, let's continue reading there in chapter 9. Uh, verse 4. You know, so he's saying that verse 3, For I wish that I myself could be a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Verse 4, Who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the, eternity, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Right? So he's saying, you know, kind of think back to what we started talking about in chapter 3 you know this idea that chiefly in every way you know what advantage then is there to be a Jew you know he, he addresses that again here alright and he's saying you know you were given the adoption the glory the covenants the giving of the law the service of God the promises uh, of whom are the fathers and from whom according to the flesh Christ came Christ came to you alright uh, so you have an advantage in this way and then he says verse 6 but it's not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. All right, and then he goes into this idea of uh, Abraham and Isaac, uh, Sarah, Rebecca. You know, so he starts in all this discussion of uh, you know him choosing essentially how he is chosen, uh, and then chapter ten and in verse one, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Can you imagine being a Jew and hearing that? Uh, you know, he's telling them, you know, you the Jew, you're ignorant of God's righteousness. And what have they done? Seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Um, and even though uh, Israel has rejected him 
God has remained faithful. Chapter 11 and in verse 1. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleased with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. All right, and so again, he's, he's in this whole, in this chunk, you know, beginning in 9 and going through 11, you know, uh, Israel, y'all, y'all have rejected God, but he's not rejected you. Um, he's given you all these things even though you have rejected him. Chapter 11 and verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. All right. There's still hope. There's still hope for you Jews, even though you've rejected me. Uh, God has been faithful. Um, and there's still hope. Chapter 11, verses 19. Uh, I guess really beginning there in verse 11 uh, through the end of chapter 11. He seems to be dealing with the Gentiles. You know, I, I, he's, I mean, you think about all the time he spent now dealing with the Jews uh, as far as real estate goes in the book of Romans. You know, and then he comes back around. All right, you Gentiles. Uh, chapter 11 and verse 19. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. All right, so he's coming back around to the Gentiles. All right, you think about what he what he's just got done saying. He's saying Israel's rejected God. Uh, God stayed faithful to him, uh, but Gentiles, you're right. Uh, those branches were broken off uh, that you might be grafted in, um, uh, and that that was done so because of unbelief. Uh, and and you stand by faith. But guess what? Don't get haughty. Uh, you know, because they were broken off. Uh, you can be broken off too. Verse 21, For if God did not spare the natural branches, He may not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God of those who fail severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in His goodness. Otherwise you will also be cut off. All right, so you know I, I've got on my notes here, Gentiles don't get the big head. You know, yeah, He's grafting you in. He's allowing you salvation uh, with His chosen people, uh, but uh, don't get the big head uh, because of that. Chapter 12 and in verse 1 through chapter 15 uh, and in verse 13. You know, he seems to come back and start dealing with, I, I've got in my notes here, practical exhortations for everyone. You know, how to live. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, if you look at the chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He, he goes on through chapter 12, you know, kind of choppy. He starts uh, some of that kind of choppy uh, language. Uh, you know, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another. And so here again, how, how, do, we, how do we live, how do we interact with one another? Uh, chapter 13 deals with the government. Uh, our neighbor, you know, how how do we how do we treat our neighbor? 
uh, verse uh, 13, verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Uh, verse 11, and do this knowing the time that now is it is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is near than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And so here again are some practical living uh, things, some exhortations of how we should how we should be, how we should think about evil, how we should think about darkness. Um, we're not to allow, you know, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Then verse or chapter fourteen. Um, you know, really dealing um, with our attitudes uh, towards one another. How do we treat one another uh, when it's a matter of liberty, you may say. One thing to keep in mind, and I, as Matt pointed out last week, as I did not know, I'm teaching chapter 14. Uh, as it comes to it, and there seems to be a lot of discussion about chapter 14. Um, but, you know, ultimately I think you can sum it up by by this. He's He's not dealing with things that God has spoken of as sin. All right, uh, this is dealing with binding where God has not bound, and loosing where God has not loosed. All right, so um, these are things of liberty for us to choose. All right, and then in my mind, it's uh, you know relatively simple when you start thinking about how do we interact with one another. Verse fifteen of chapter fourteen. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your of your food, of your food, you are no longer walking in love. All right. So if I'm doing something that uh, makes you grieve in any way, I'm not walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Verse 21. Verse 20. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but is evil for the man who eats with offense. Is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. All right, so in everything that we do, we need to be thinking about somebody else. All right, that's essentially what he's saying. All right, um, so keep that attitude, and you will probably be okay. Uh, but again, practical ways to deal with one another. It says there in verse 15, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as, it, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. All right. Um, so he's essentially telling us to have the same mind as Christ. Um, verse 5. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded to one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's his goal for us as we deal with one another, that we be like-minded toward one another that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God alright so that's our purpose that's what we're striving to do uh, to glorify God together towards the end of chapter 15 uh, he seems to kind of talk about some of his work some of his work uh, with the Gentiles his desire to come to Rome uh, to, to be with them uh, towards the end of chapter 15 and then chapter sixteen, you know, kind of closing remarks. You know, he's, he's, you know, uh, chapter 
16, verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their own necks for my life. Uh, you know, he's greet Mary, who labored with us, greet Andronicus. He's going to start going to folks I can't pronounce their names. You know, but, you know these greetings, these, you know, uh, uh, towards one another. Chapter 16 and in verse 17. I don't know about you, but I kind of find this interesting, his placement uh, of, of this. 16, verse 17, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. All right. You might think, well, he's dealt with a lot of things. You know, he might just say, he's, you know, Paul's trying to come over here and say, uh, you know, somebody's going to be causing divisions and offenses. Uh, note those folks and avoid them. All right, because he's telling us um, he's telling us about them that they don't serve the Lord Jesus. They serve their own belly, and by smooth and flattering words, uh, flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. And you think back to all the things he's dealt with in the Book of Romans. Difficult things. You know, I think some of this is what Peter talks about about uh, you know the difficult things that Paul. Uh, has written uh, and he's he's I think given us all uh, some, maybe some words of wisdom don't be this person don't be the person that causes divisions you know uh, contrary to the doctrine alright I hope that was beneficial in some way uh, to, to try to think about uh, the book in chunks break it down into maybe easier um Easier uh, bite-sized pieces, you may say, uh, because you know there is a lot for us to consider. I have also in my notes. Go back to chapter two. And we, we've we've talked about this past two weeks, so I'm not going to talk about it much. But I and we've talked about even how Paul uh, teaches, you know, a lot the past two weeks, but. You know, um, again, you think chapter 1 and chapter 2, what he's dealing with, and then he comes back in uh, and he says, you know, he asks this question, what advantage then has a Jew or prophet is, is, is of circumcision uh, in chapter 3 and in 1? Um, again, think about how he writes. Think about the points he's making. And then I think we have to consider those things as, as we study through because I don't know what your experience has been, uh, but my experience in dealing with a Calvinist, for instance, they love the Book of Romans. They think the Book of Romans establishes, uh, you know, all their Calvinistic teaching. And the reality is, is yeah, if you if you kind of decide what you want to pick out of here and don't keep on reading or take it as a whole, uh, take it as as these chunks that we've talked about, well, of course. You know, I can teach you Calvinism out of here too. You know, so uh, just keep that in mind as, as you're reading through and as you're studying that, you know, Paul makes these very, very, very strong points. He's, he's making a point. But, you know, you kind of come back around. Uh, I've talked about this several times. You look at the latter uh, part of chapter 5. You know, he's dealing with death coming through Adam, life coming through Christ. All right, well, why does he, why does he ask this question? In chapter 6 and verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Why does he ask that question? 
Well, he asked that question because he knows what he just said at the end of chapter 5 may lead someone to believe that they can keep on sinning because the life that comes through Christ is greater than the sin that came through Adam. All right? But he, he's, he makes the point. But then he comes back around and he says, you know, but you can't, you can't think like this. All right? He does it again. He, he probably does it again in, in some other ways I hadn't picked up on yet. But in chapter 9, uh, 9 and 10, you know, this idea of Israel rejecting God. Uh, but in chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, um, you know, he asks this question in verse 1 of chapter 11. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. All right? And I did notice, uh, and maybe, maybe this is something to you know, come back to and look at even closer, but this idea, you know, he says certainly not several times in the book. You know, so he asks a question, and then he says certainly not. You know, like this, can't, this is not the case. There's no way this can be the case. But, again, you think about how, I mean, he spent two chapters dealing with the idea that Israel's rejected God. All right, well then, you know, again, the logical question may be, well, well is God going to cast away his people because they've rejected him? Well, Paul says certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleased with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. All right. Uh, so, you know, you might think as he's in chapter 9 and 10, well, these Israelites, boy, they've rejected him. There's no way any of these folks are ever going to be saved, you know. But again, Paul comes back around and says, no, that's not the case. Go to Hebrews. I made the comment, if, if the Hebrew writer isn't Paul, he sure, sure writes like Paul. Uh, if you go to Hebrews 10, it's kind of the, it's the same uh, kind of language uh, here as well. You know, he's dealing with um, <clears throat> Jesus and the, and the completeness, the perfectness of uh, his sacrifice and what he, de- what he delivers to us. Let's pick up in chapter 10 and in verse 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. All right, so we're sanctified through the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 11, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he is perfected forever those who are being sanctified. All right, again, he's perfected forever. Verse 15, But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now there is no now where there is no remission of those, there is no longer an offering of sin. Alright, and so go to chapter or verse twenty six. For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Alright? So he's dealt with sacrifice being forever that Jesus has sanctified forever alright and then he comes in verse 26 but hey if you're going to willfully uh, sin after you've received the knowledge of the truth 
This sacrifice is no longer in effect for you, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant which he was sanctified, a common thing, and assaulted the Spirit of grace? All right. And so again, you kind of just think through um, how Paul writes, and I think it'll help us in our understanding, um, you know, not only the book of Romans, but of course, you know, just like here in, in Hebrews, you know, it's not, uh, you know, we have to, I guess, I guess we have to take uh, the first half and appreciate the first half of, say, chapter 10, for instance, that yes, the completeness, the greatness of the sacrifice of Jesus but yet, we can't keep on sinning after, uh, because if you if we do, then that sacrifice is no longer in effect for us. So, again, I hope this has been helpful for you to think about, helpful for us as we continue our study in the Book of Romans uh, together. There's a lot uh, for us to appreciate and consider together, and I certainly uh, get a lot out of uh, the classes that we have the interaction that we can have with one another and in, in studying uh, together in those ways. So um, if there's anyone uh, today that needs uh, the prayers of the saints here or uh, needs to obey the gospel, we'd ask that you'd come forward as Evan leads us in an invitation song.